0: so good it's just lovely the last few mornings at home i really don't know what um what's overtaken my thought patterns but i've just been putting some worship music on at home from the moment i wake up just playing it through the television some live stuff it's been lovely hasn't it it's just been great i was outside collecting some wood and i could hear this singing it was it was angelic singing i think (laughs) not so anyway it was my wife and she was just in front of the TV and the boys were on their tablets and she was just singing, just worshipping. You know. And we'd be sitting there and I was having breakfast one of the mornings and I could hear Samuel Lowe he was on his tablet playing a game or probably on Instagram. Yeah? He was singing. We need to learn just to worship God, yeah? Every moment of every day. Anyway, I want to, if I can today, I want to continue to build on some of the thoughts of the last couple of weeks Um, because there's a, a, it's not so much a theme but there's a thread and a thread over the last few weeks has been if we can understand this, it actually changes us on the inside and it affects the way that we look at ourselves and the way that we look at others. That's been the thread, yeah. Um, a, A few weeks ago we looked at the truth and the reality that we're being transformed from glory to glory. From the moment we said, said yes to Jesus and accepted his son, we have, we're in glory. And then it says that he transforms us with ever-increasing glory into his likeness. So we're always going through this transformation. And that transformation happens on the inside of us. I, I can't see it. I can't see what he's doing in Mel. I can't see what he's doing in Penny. I, I can't see it. And if I can understand that, that each person is going through a metamorphosis, then when I'm with them or see them and they're struggling in stuff, I don't pass judgment because I know that deep within God's doing a work, yeah, to make them more into the likeness of his son. And so that changes the way that I treat people. And in fact, if I'm having moments, anyone else have moments? You just have moments, yeah. I might have moments more than others at home, Mel would probably tell you. If I'm having moments, if I can just stop, instead of being hard on myself for a moment and just realise that God's doing a deep work inside me, yeah? I'm not going to judge myself as harshly as I would have. And so that reality and truth changes who we are, yeah, and who we're becoming constantly. And then last week I talked about the Father's adoptive love. And it's, that was fun for me because it's been a conversation with people over the course of the week. See, God's adoptive love doesn't discriminate. It does not discriminate. His plan from the beginning, remember, not, it wasn't plan B. It is and only ever will be plan A was to adopt us and he made that decision knowing that we were going to fall he made that decision to send his son even while we were still sinners he did not discriminate he didn't send his son only for those that were already walking righteously yeah for god so loved the world he sent his only begotten son that whoever was already perfect should be saved that's not the way the scripture goes yeah yeah so understanding that He has loved us with this adoptive love, this unconditional, non-discriminative love. If we can understand that, and we are His hands and His feet extended, then that's the way that we'll view other people and love other people. Yeah? And I joked last week, as I often do, that many churches around the globe have more rules to walk into the church than God has to walk into heaven. Yeah? It's tougher to become a member of some churches than what it is to become a part of God's family. God doesn't discriminate. He just doesn't. Our role is to love. Yeah? And as people, as each of us get to know Father, as we go deeper, He starts to show us our shortcomings. Yeah? He starts to show us where we need healing, where we need to grow. Because it's never about behavior modification. Yeah? It's never about that. It's about becoming who we truly are. It's an identity transformation, and in that, that begins to affect our behaviour, yeah? And so, even that truth of his adoptive love, that the, the, the spiritual reality, it changes us on the inside, and it changes the way that we look and act with other people, yeah? So today, I want to talk about a passage of scripture that, I think, addresses some of our own desires, our own wants, our own needs, yeah? I think we all have wants and needs if we're going to be, you know, truthful and real. And I want to share that because if we can grab hold of of this passage of scripture at the same time as fulfilling our desires, it changes and encourages us to be more Christ like. And it changes the way that we're going to act or be with other people. Amen. And I think that's really important. So I want to make this statement. I shared it with Mel. And I'll share it here. I believe that everything about our faith starts and ends, yeah, and is held together by relationship. From the moment we say yes to Jesus, it was for relationship. And a part of that, he dealt with our sin. It was never about dealing with our sin. And as a bonus, now we have a relationship with God. God is loving, yeah, first. He's loving first. So it starts with a relationship with Father God. It ends with a relationship with Father God when we spend eternity with Him in heaven and it's held together, the glue, with a relationship with Father God and with each other. Everything about a faith is that. People that struggle in their faith generally have a very shallow relationship with Father. People that struggle with people generally have a shallow, it's probably a better word, relationship with other people. Yeah? Yeah? There's a quote, I really like this quote by, and I had it on um, social media by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he says this, because he's a German theologian, for those of you that, that don't know, and he was executed by the Nazis in World War II, but he wrote this, Truth, truth, understand this in relation to God, yeah? Truth, divorced from experience, must always dwell in the realm of doubt. Truth, divorced from experience, must always dwell in the realm of doubt. You need to think about that just for a minute. See, our knowledge of someone, if we just to make it and share it in a way that we can understand, our knowledge of someone or our knowledge of each other, yeah, is only as accurate as our experience with them and of them. People can tell me all they like about Chris, Yeah? But the reality is, my knowledge of Chris is only going to be as accurate as my own experience with him. Not so much about what other people have shared about him. It's the same with Father God, yeah? Like, you can know him or you can know him. There's a a story that Judith Franklin tells, and I've heard this told in, in different, you know, in different places, uh, with different people's experiences. But I'll share hers because it'll help put some legs on what I've just said. And she writes, One day the Lord spoke to me and he simply said, Ronald Reagan, who was our president at the time. And that's all he said. And I waited, but he said nothing else. So I said, yes, he's our president. Then God said, you can read about him every day. Yes, I can read about him in magazines and books, I replied. He said, you can hear about him every day. Well, of course, I thought. I could hear about him on television, radio, or even in conversations with people who were discussing him or what he's doing. He went on, and you're affected by what he does. Oh yes, he signs bills and laws that do affect my life. Then he asked, how well do you know him? Well, I was brought up short. I didn't know Ronald Reagan at all. I really only knew about him. The Lord said, you can read about me every day. I responded, yes, in the Bible and different books. He said, you can hear about me every day. I said, yes, on the television, radio, and at church. Then the Lord said, you're affected by what I do. Oh, yes. And I knew where this was going. Finally, the Lord said, how well do you know me? I realized then that I knew about him, but I didn't really know him on a personal basis. He wants us to know him. So it's the same for us as Judah Throat. He wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us not just what you read through other people's experiences not just what you hear from the pulpit not just what your mum and dads and cousins and relatives and friends have told you he wants you as an individual to have a personal relationship with him yeah so it takes more than just reading and hearing to actually be a friend of god and it's important for us to have our own experience with him. You know, our God is loving and, and kind and he wants this intimate relationship. And, and I know you know because we've been teaching that for years. Yeah, I'm just going over old ground. I know that. But even that is only the first part of our vision as a church, to engage with our God. It's just the first part. See, we've been created in his image. You know, and if we've been created in his image, then we need to learn to connect with each other same way that we connect with him if we're part of the same family yeah yeah? so why am i sharing all this well because i I think this what i'm going to share is the answer that some of us need particularly when it comes to living life with and through god and living life with one another yeah i'm going to suggest that what i'm going to share this morning holds a key and it's going to challenge some of us. And others may say, Amen. Others may even get upset. But I'm sorry. If that's the case, I'm happy to rip the page out of your Bible. I like mine. <laughs> you can laugh. It's okay. You know, Don't be so frightened. It's not going to be that heavy, I promise. You know, think about it. Our relationship with Jesus, with God. Now, Ephesians 3.19 says this. It says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God yeah that you may be filled with the fullness with all the fullness of God to know this love that surpasses knowledge to know this love that surpasses knowledge where does knowledge come from it comes from the books we read it comes from the sermons that we hear comes from the podcasts that we listen to. comes from the stories that people share. Knowledge. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. See, we're asked to know this love that goes beyond knowledge. It goes beyond what we've read. It goes beyond what we've been told. And the only way to know this love that surpasses knowledge is to experience it. I remember a few years ago there was a member of this church that um, ended up leaving our church. And I, I, I'm not, not going to mention who it was, but they left a note saying, we just feel that it's time to move on because we seem to be on an experience journey rather than just worshipping God. If I can't experience the God that I worship, why am I worshipping Him? Yeah? And how can I know, no, 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 how can I know this love that surpasses knowledge unless I experience it? Because it surpasses knowledge. Yeah? So it's important, I'm going to put it out there, it's important for us to have our own personal experience with Father God, with Papa. Now, go with me here. Therefore, experience from this scripture is the key to being filled with His fullness. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So the experience of him and in him is the key. Not the knowledge. Yeah? Can't do it without it. There's your foundation, but there's more. That's what he desires for us. That's why Judith Franklin says and she and I'll quote her, we can't know someone by just reading a book about him or her to have a relationship. We have to connect and interact with that person. That's what it's like with God. So again, why am I sharing this? Well, it's because I've discovered as a pastor, I've discovered as a friend, I've discovered as a husband, I've discovered as a frail human being, yeah? (laughs) That so many of us have the same issue slash issues, the same doubts, similar weaknesses, similar thoughts that try to drag us down, yeah? Yeah? And I want to state here that we do have an enemy, like we have an enemy. His name's Satan, his name's the devil, his name's Lucifer. We believe that there is an enemy of God, yeah? That's what we believe as a church. Sorry if you don't. And he, that enemy, wants to rob you, you, even touch your shoulder and go, me, he wants to rob me, like make it personal, he wants to rob me. He wants to rob you of your faith. And he will do it any way he can. Luke 22, 31 to 32. Jesus is speaking to Simon. and He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, so that your faith may not fail. And when you turned back, strengthen your brothers. In other words, you're going to have moments where you're going to feel like the enemy is winning, yeah? But when you turn back around, strengthen your brothers. There's an enemy that wants to rob you of your faith. John 10.10, we know, the first part, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The enemy wants to rob you of your faith. We have a real enemy and he'll do anything to stop us growing in our faith. And if I'm going to go back to my comment earlier, that if relationships are beginning and the end and the glue that holds our faith together, relationship with God and relationship with each other, finishing with our relationship with God, if that's the glue, then he's going to do anything to ruin those two relationships. Completely and utterly, yeah? He'll do anything to ruin them, first with Papa, then with each other. He doesn't want you to have a relationship with Father God. He doesn't want you to have a relationship with each other. Because he knows that it's in that relationship that you're going to grow. That you're going to grow in strength, you're going to grow in love, you're going to grow in Christ-like character. He knows that. He knows that it's in those relationships we find ourselves becoming more like Jesus every day, the more that we spend time with him. See, it's a truth and it's a reality that changes us and changes how we act with and treat the people around us, amen? So I'm going to ask some really pertinent questions, yeah? Yeah. Some of you may want to raise your hands. Some of you may want to hold them down when they go to go up. It's entirely up to you. I'm just going to ask some questions. And I want you to be as honest and as transparent as possible. Yeah? Have you ever felt this way or asked yourself these things? No one loves me. I don't have any friends. Why do I always make the effort and others don't? Is there something wrong with me? Why why don't people like to spend time with me? They just have their preferred friends. See, I think if we're to be honest, yeah, a majority of us have felt like this before majority of us feel like this now but we have felt like this and once we start to feel or ask these things we start to pass judgment and we actually start to pass judgment on ourselves first and then on others and then fear starts to arise within us yeah and insecurities start to pop up and then we can feel inadequate it's what happens and you know what here's the best part no one around you in your world would ever know unless you were to tell them. See, I want to suggest that if the depth of our relationship with the Father is based not just knowledge but also experience, wouldn't it then be the same for each of us in his family? I can't just know you by knowledge, by what I've been told. Some of the stories I've been told about some of you are too wild. Some of them are so bad. (laughs) Others are so good. But my best indicator is going to be if I spend time with you and get to know you, yeah? If I want to build on this relationship with you, I need to experience life with you. We would have to spend time together. Now, if you answered honestly... And if you felt some of those those things or asked any of those questions, in light of that, I want, to, I want to read Luke 6.38, yeah? Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. See, often this passage of Scripture is used when it comes you know, for a time of giving, financial giving, and and rightly so. But there's actually more to it than just that. Often, when people preach on this passage, it's about what you're going to get back. But the real message of this passage is in the giving. It's just to give, yeah? See, in Luke 6.38, it's all about giving. And in fact, if you read all the way back from verse 30, the message is still to give. Now, Now, catch this. You've got to catch this in light of what I've been sharing so far this morning. Give to those who ask of you. Give to those who can't pay you back. Give love to those who don't deserve it. Yeah. Give mercy to those who wrong you. Give the kind of treatment you hope to receive from others. Give, give, give. Oh, and by the way, when you do that, yeah, our Heavenly Father, our Daddy, will make sure that we get more in return. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Yeah. Just ponder that part of the scripture alone in light of the questions that I asked. Yeah? About I feel alone. I feel isolated. I have no friends. They have their preferred preferred friends. Why don't people like me? The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Remember, there's an enemy that wants to rob you of your faith. And if our faith is held together through relationship with Father God and relationship with each other, where's the enemy going to attack? Where do those thoughts, dreams, visions, pictures come from? See, who here would love a close friend? I would. I'm fortunate, I guess, at times. But even in that, though I I believe I have a close friend, you ask my wife, if I'm going to be transparent, you know, Pastor, please don't go there, not you. You should be like the Messiah. Um, Ross Morgan and I often joke, and Ross always says to me, you're not the Messiah, you're just a naughty boy. Yes, Ross, you have got me pinned, mate. There are moments where I'm like, man, I've just got no friends. Mel's like, why don't you go out? You need to go out, go and catch up with someone. Who, Mel? Who? Who will I catch up with? You tell me who. Yeah? Anyone ever had those moments, those pity parties at home? Come on. Look, who am I catch up with? And then you finally step out in faith and you ring them and they're like, oh, we're busy. I told you. Told you, hon. I told you. If I didn't ring them, I would have felt better than I feel now. Now I feel even worse than before. <laughs> who here would love to feel loved and appreciated? Yeah, all of us. Come on, if we're to be real. Mel was really kind just the other day because we haven't been using the fire much. We've been using the the ducted heating. And then a bill came. Now we're using the fire more. (laughs) So I've been stoking the fire the last few days and Mel goes, thank you for splitting the wood. Thank you for getting the fire going. Like it was just, I just stopped for a moment and I just sat with that. And she actually repeated, did you hear what i said i think she wanted some acknowledgement and appreciation that she had just appreciated me but i was just basking in that yeah because i think we all we all need that and want that at times yeah who here wants to feel part of the family who here wants to feel like they matter well maybe just maybe the answer's in our hands See, this is a truth and a spiritual reality that changes us on the inside and changes how we act and how we treat people around us. In fact, everything that we've spoken about in the last three weeks changes our heart and changes our heart towards others, yeah? Now, we all, the reality is we all desire to be loved, but many of us have moments where we don't feel loved, yeah? We all desire to fit in and feel a part of something, but many of us have moments where we feel completely isolated and alone. Yeah, We often feel like we're on the outer and we're the last thought in someone else's mind. Yeah, Enemies working hard. Working hard to get us feeling like this and thinking like this. Enemies working hard to get us feeling like it with a sense of hopelessness. But there's something that we can do. There's a change that we can make. And it's possible because the Bible says so. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. So we can. You and I can do this. We can be different. And I think as a church, we're in the perfect perfect place to make a shift in our own lives. Because we keep talking about our church as a family. And I believe that we're a family, and I believe we continue to grow as a family. And so we have the perfect opportunity, each and every one of us as individuals, to, to actually have a, an effect on our culture, a rubber stamp, if you may, yeah? For what Mount Clear stands for and who we are. First Corinthians 9:24 says, "Don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. I love this. So, run to win. So, in the kingdom, because it's not just church, in the kingdom, what do we consider a win? People receiving and feeling loved? Uh, I'd give that a tick. I've got the microphone, so it's getting one anyway. Uh, people being accepted. What about people being embraced? What about people knowing that they belong, yeah? Rather than trying to change their behavior and then teach them the gospel and hoping they belong, they actually start when they belong. Then they hear all that God has for them in the gospel and it changes their behavior. That's how it works, yeah? What about people knowing that they're valued, People feeling encouraged. People feeling like they're family. And the list goes on and on. And it's not just for others. The truth is if we're to be truthful that we would like to experience all of the above as well, I reckon. Yeah? And experience really is the operative word. If we we want others to feel and experience all this, if we want to feel and experience all this, then the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. It's a promise. You've got to understand it's a promise. It's spoken by God. It's a promise. So here's my challenge. It's time for us to give. To give, to give, to give of ourselves. It's time for us to give. A scripture from two weeks ago was 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we, once we regard Christ in this way, we do say so no longer. Stop looking at yourself. Yeah, stop looking at yourself. Yeah? Stop looking at yourself and your situation through the world's eyes. Look instead through Father's eyes. Look through His eyes. Know His heart. See His desire for you. Know in your heart, yeah? in your heart of hearts, know in yourself all that He wants and desires for you is a relationship with Him and with others. That's His desire. And his desire trumps anything that the enemy's whispering upstairs. See, it's time for us, I believe, to encourage others as we get to know them. It's time for us to open our homes and invite someone in. You know, I've shared something similar before, but I'm my foundation for today is all about the amount you give will determine the amount you get back and you don't do it for what you're going to get back but when you realize what other people need you can't help but give to them because you know what they need and when you give them what they need the bible says that god's promise is he's going to give you back and more what you've just given i have no friends maybe it's time to befriend someone no one loves me maybe it's time to love someone yeah I'm the last thought in someone's mind. Well, maybe you need to be the first thought in their mind by making them the first thought in yours. See, it's time for us to encourage others. It's time for us to open our homes and invite someone in. No one invites me over. Well, have you ever opened your home? Yeah? And look, let's be realistic. Times are tough financially. Soup and garlic bread's fine. Cup of tea works. All I'm saying is we've, All of us, most of us, and again, generally speaking, said we have all had those thoughts. We have all thought those things, yeah? Then we need to do something about it because we have the fullness of God living within us. And if to experience God's fullness, we have to get together with Him, then to experience everything with everybody else, I have to get together with you. And when the scripture says the amount you give will determine the amount you get back, then the answer to my issue, the answer to my problem is to start to love you. He starts to forgive you. He start to encourage you. He start to uplift you. Because then God will pour all of that into me. And as much as I love you all, I want it from him more than you. Does that make any sense? So it's almost selfish. I'm not doing it for what he's going to give. But the fact that I'm going to get it back from him is even better than I might get it from you. But if I get it from you, then the enemy's got nothing to speak into this head of mine. And so I'll never have moments at home. Where can I go? What can I do? Who can I bring love? And trust me, I have those moments. And I might be joking about them, but they're so very real, yeah? And when you're in that, it so really hurts when you feel like you have no one to call, that you don't have a friend in the world, that no one cares. But the enemy is working tirelessly to rob you of your faith. Tirelessly to rip apart family. Tirelessly stopping you growing in your relationship with him. I often, because I'm a pastor, get to speak to people and they're often sharing where they don't fit in. They're often sharing why they feel alone and why they're, they're isolated, how judged they feel by those that are around them. I hear that all the time and those feelings may be true because the enemy's working hard but we've got to stop relying on others. We've got to stop seeing and hearing through the world's point of view and we have to start to focus on Him and what He says and what He desires and what He promises. Because we need to reach out to others that are in the same boat that we're in. Yeah? And if that doesn't work, then reach out to someone else. You'll try to love someone and they won't, it won't be reciprocal their loss (laughs) you're just doing what the bible tells you to do and as you're doing that god's going to fill you yeah so you're not going to have that worry or concern anymore that we've been all struggling with because we're actually sowing into other people and then god's giving us something back that's even better love on others be all you can for them in fact be jesus and as you and i do that the family here will grow your family will grow. See, all your desires will be, bef- will be fulfilled by God. It's His promise to us. So the only thing that remains is this. Who, who actually wants to run to win? Who's willing to run to win? So for some of us, it means stepping into areas that we're not comfortable with. You know, making a phone call, opening our home, going out for a coffee, having a tea, means stepping into areas that we have fears do you know something about fear fear and love can't exist at the same time Do you know that they cannot exist at the same time in fact fear and love are enemies yeah they can't occupy the same space they can't fear and love can't occupy the same space Fear and love are like darkness and light, salt water and fresh water. They don't occupy the same space. It's like cursing and blessing. They're the opposite, yeah? See, when they're both present, one of them has to win. One of them has to win. And when it comes to Father God, the revelation of his extravagant love propels us deeper into God's heart because we long to be with him. I love E.M. Bounds. He's got some magnificent books on prayer. And he wrote this about those who had encountered the Father's love. And he wrote this. They spend much time in prayer. This is people spending time with God that have encountered and experienced Him. They spend much time in prayer, not because they watch the shadow on the dial or the hands on the clock, but because it is to them so momentous and engaging business that they can scarcely quit. Like oh, what a quote, man puts to shame my prayer life when i read that yeah in light of that knowing his love for us drives us to spend real time with him and when we start to experience him and he fills us knowing his love for us then drives us into deeper relationship with those around us it causes us to reach out to stretch out yeah to start to love encourage comfort uplift but it's hard because some of us want to live in the space that we're living some of us are happy with the questions that we're asking and it's easier to brood on those than to step out and see what god wants to fill us with it's easier to point the finger than to put it back in and go and start loving on others and watching god fulfill his promise not because we don't want to but we got to face that fear but fear and love can't exist in the same place, can they? See, knowing his love for us should drive us into deepened relationship with those around us, spending time with people, regardless of how we think or how we feel. Jesus went to the cross for us, knowing that that's what was needed so that we could have a relationship and be made right with God, yeah? Yeah, that's what he did. You think about that for a moment. Did he want to go to the cross? Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. No way in the world did he want to go to the cross. But he did it knowing that that's what we needed. And sometimes we need to do what others need. See, at the end of his act, he was glorified. At the end of our act, it says here very clearly, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. My toilet scripture was this this morning. It was in Psalm 68. Verse 6. Can you put it up on the screen for a minute? God sets the lonely in what? In families. The part of the scripture was verse 5 as I was reading it and the Lord said to me, keep reading and I had to open up the whole, the whole chapter. And as I got to that, God sets the lonely in families. There's a reason that you are in this house. yeah. There's a reason that Christians everywhere are in the houses that they're in. Because God sets the lonely in families. He sets us there because he knows that as we love, we'll receive love. And as we receive love, we'll continue to love, yeah? Like, that's just a beautiful scripture. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. (laughs) Sometimes we feel caught and locked and trapped. But he's going to lead us out and lead us forth in singing. So why don't we stand? I want to challenge us to step out of some of that thinking, step out from some of those thoughts that we all have, yeah? See, your choices, not chances, determine your destiny. Yeah, And I know life can be tough, and I know life can throw curveballs, but we choose daily whether we're going to look like we've been sucking lemons or we choose daily whether we look like we've been in and with the Lord, yeah? We choose, no one else. So today, what will you choose? Today, will you run a race to win? Will you live in your aloneness? Will you keep struggling with your feelings of not being good enough? Will you allow the enemy to make you feel unwanted and second best? Or will we step up and step out and start loving on one another? Will we open ourselves up to others like never before? Will we become so transparent for the sake of a family member and for ourselves, yeah? What will you do? I want to pray. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment? And we're just going to pray a prayer. Because what I shared this morning has exposed the reality of what is in some of our hearts, yeah? Not all of you. Certainly in mine at times. But what I want to pray is that with the scriptures that we've read is that God has given you the key to life. That you don't go away condemned, but you go away with hope. Everything about the gospel is hope. So no matter what we're experiencing, no matter how dark it might be outside, God wants to rip over the ceiling above our lives and show us that picture that was on the screen. yeah. And He wants to breathe light and love. Amen? See, when we give what looks to the world like reckless abandon, we're following God's example. Daddy's a giver. And we should give for the joy of imitating him, yeah? God is saying, when you give just to give, I'm going to reward you back by giving back to you in much greater measure. So, Father, this morning, Lord, I just pray for a real, a flowing of you, Holy Spirit, that, Lord, where the enemy tries to get in to convict, Lord God, I pray that you would get in and release the prisoner with singing. Father, I pray now that through your Holy Spirit, that you would start to fan into flame what we need, Lord God, to be that very thing that we desire, but for somebody else, (laughs) the paradox of Christianity. Lord, we know what we desire. We know what we struggle with. We know the thoughts the enemy has placed in our minds, God. We know what we feel like we need. So, Lord God, having acknowledged that, I pray, God, that we can be that for the person on the right, the person on the left, the person behind us, the person in front of us, that we can be that for other families, that we can be that for other people, that in the measure that we give out, Lord God, you tell us that you're going to give it back. You're going to give us love, Lord God. You're going to pour out your appreciation on us. You're going to make us feel valued because we're doing that for those that are around us. Lord, may we make a choice today to be Christ-like in every way. May we make a choice today to step up, to face the fear and to allow conquer to, uh, love to reign and love to conquer. You're such a glorious God. And Lord, we want to give you all the praise. Lord, we look forward to the stories of people getting together that that have not spent time over a table or over food. We look forward to the testimonies of of people sharing a coffee and a tea in a cafe as they get to know one another, truly know one another. And Lord God, I look forward to the testimonies of people experiencing you and experiencing each other. I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, you take the lonely and you place them in a family so that as a family we can love them. So, Lord God, continue to build the family. Continue to build the love base. Continue to build us more into the likeness of your Son with ever-increasing glory, from glory to glory, and from strength to strength. Help us, Lord, to look and see and treat and speak to others the way that we desire to be looked at, to be treated, and to be spoken to. Father, you're a glorious God. We give you all the glory, and we give you all the honor And all these people said, Amen. Amen. Think about it. Let it sit. Let it germinate. Let it pull you out of uh, some of your thoughts to love on others. Amen. And if anyone would like prayer, the service is over. if you'd like prayer, I'm at the front and you're welcome to come forward in Jesus' name. Amen.